Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Judges chapter 7, beginning with verse 19. Now, yesterday you read all about the beginning of that story of Gideon, mighty man of valor, as the angel of the Lord speaks to him and calls the things that are not as though they are. And God begins to give Gideon a plan. You always have to remember, God will tell you to do something, but he'll also give you some strategy. So now Gideon begins to implement the strategy. Never just listen for what God says to do. Listen for what God says when he tells you how to do it. So Gideon and a hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hand. And when the three companies blew their trumpets and broke the jars, they held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. They cried out, A sword for the Lord of Gideon! Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew three hundred trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as Beth Shittah toward Zerah, as far as the border of Abel-Meholah by Tabath. And the men of Israel were called up from Naphtali and from Asher and from all Manasseh. And they pursued after getting a notice. They were called out. God started the battle. He starts with 300 men of faith. But there comes the point, all join. You never can forget that. There comes a point, everybody's got to get involved. Gideon sent messengers throughout all the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and capture the waters against them as far as Beth Barah and also the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they captured the waters as far as Beth Barah, and also the Jordan. And they captured the two princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. Then they pursued Midian, and they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. Chapter 8, verse 1. Then the men of Ephraim said to him, What is this you have done to us? not to call us when you went to fight against Midian. And they accused him fiercely. Now listen, there's always going to be a little bit of conflict during victory. And he said to them, What have I now done in comparison to you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the grape harvest of Abizar? God has given into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb, What have I been able to do in comparison to you? Then their anger subsided when he said this to them. The reason you have conflict and victory is due to pride. And Gideon was wise enough to recognize that. You've done more than me. (laughs) And Gideon came to the Jordan and crossed over. He and the 300 men who were with him, exhausted yet pursuing And he said to the men of Succoth, Please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing after Ziba and Zalmunah, the kings of Midian. And the officials of Succoth said, Are the hands of Ziba and Zalmunah already in your hand, that we should give bread to your army? And Gideon said to them, Well then, when the Lord has given Ziba and Zalmunah into my hand, I will flail your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And from there he went up to Manuel. And he spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered. 
And he said to the men of Penuel, when I come again in peace, I will break down this tower. Now Ziba and Zalmunna were in Karkor with their army, about 15,000 men, all who were left of all the army of the people of the east. For there had fallen 120,000 men who drew the sword. Now that's amazing. 120,000 had died. Gideon went up by the way of the tent dwellers east of Noba and Jogbaha, and he attacked the army, for they felt secure. Now remember, Gideon still only has 300 men and 300 tired men. And Ziba and Zalmunna fled, and he pursued them and captured the two kings of Midian, Ziba and Zalmunna. And he threw all the army into a panic. Then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from the battle by the ascent of Heres. And he captured a young man of Succoth and questioned him. And he wrote down for him the officials and the elders of Succoth, seventy-seven men. And he came to the men of Succoth and said, Behold, Ziba and Zalmunna, about whom you taunted me, saying, are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna already in your hand that we should give bread to your men who are exhausted? And he took the elders of the city and took thorns of the wilderness and briars with him and taught the men of Succoth a lesson. And he broke down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. Then he said to Zeba and Zalmunna, Where are the men whom you killed at Tabor? And they answered, As you are, so were they. Every one of them resembled the son of a king. And he said, They were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you have saved them, I would not kill you. So he said to Jether, his first son, his firstborn, Rise and kill them. But the young man did not draw his sword, for he was afraid, because he was still a young man. Now, brothers and sisters, you're going to have to get a hold of a truth here. Throughout the scripture, the Bible is clear that there's not too much pressure put upon young men for a reason. Young men are often afraid. They, they have no experience yet. Then Ziba and Zalmunna said, Rise yourself and fall on us, for as a man is, so is his strength. <laughs> and Gideon arose and killed Ziba and Zalmunna. And he took the crescent armaments that were on the necks of their camels. Then a man of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your son and your grandson also, for you have saved us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Wow. It's a great truth. Gideon understood something. And Gideon said to them, Let me make a request of you. Every one of you give me the earrings from his spoil, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, We were willing to give them. And they spread a cloak, and every man threw in it the earrings of his spoil. And the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold, beside the crescent ornaments and the pendants and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian, and besides the collars that were around the necks of their camels. And Gideon made an ephod of it and put it in his city, in Ophrah. And all Israel whored after it. And it became a snare to Gideon and to his family. This is one of those sad passages in the Bible. God gives a great victory 
a symbol is made, and it's an ephod like the high priest would wear, so it should not have been made. But it was still a symbol of the victory. It was the fruit of the victory. And the people worshipped it. Rather than worship the God who gave them the victory, they worshipped the fruit of the victory. And it became a snare to Gideon and to his family. So Midian was subdued before the people of Israel, and they raised their heads no more. And the land had rest for forty years in the days of Gideon. Jeroboam, the son of Joash, went and lived in his own house. Now Gideon had seventy sons, his own offspring, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was at Shechem, also bore him a son, and he called his name Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash's father at Ophrah of the Abrazites. As soon as Gideon died, remember the roller coaster of spirituality again. As soon as Gideon died, the people of Israel turned again, poured after the Baals, and made Baal Bereth their god. Remember the principle, strong leadership restrains the sins of the people. That's, a, that's maybe one of the greatest principles throughout the book of Judges. Strong leadership restrains sin. And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hand of their enemies on every side. And they did not show steadfast love to the family of Zerubbabel, that is Gideon, in return for all the good he had done. There's a principle that starts with Joseph. New generation forgets all the sacrifice and all the love of past leaders. When a new generation rises up, they never remember. One of the things I teach young pastors is when God is done with you in a place, he's done with you there. People are not going to remember your sacrifice. They're not going to remember your love. Just move on. But while you're there, your strength and your walk with God will help restrain the sins of the people and keep them focused on God. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in John chapter 1, beginning with verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And notice he never said Israel. He never said the Jews. He said the world. It's amazing to me how many Christians fail to recognize the work of God for the Gentiles all through the Gospels. It's amazing how much that the Bible talks about it. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. So Jesus was before John. But you say, Pastor, John was born first. Yes, but Jesus, Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus has always been. Jesus is before time. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose, okay, he said, this is my purpose. For this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained upon him. The Holy Ghost remained on Jesus. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Ghost. Now, who is the he? He who sent me, this is the Father. He said, the Father sent me to baptize with water. And he said, the Father told me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Now, these two men followed Jesus because of the testimony of John. Jesus turned and saw them following and said, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. So notice, Andrew went and got Peter. This is family (laughs) evangelism. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So, All three of these men are from the city of Bethsaida, okay? They're not from Capernaum. Now, if you draw a picture, if this is the Sea of Galilee, and over here would be Tiberias, and up here would be Capernaum, way up here would be Bethsaida. Now, it's not next to the current Sea of Galilee, because there used to be some rivers that came down, still do, but there used to be a big inlet here that has been filled in by the the soil that came down from those rivers from the north. And it used to be more like a series of canals and things up in there. And Bethsaida was the fishing village up there. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, 
We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Philip found Nathanael. Nathanael came to him and said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, please, you have to understand, Nazareth is about 70 people. It's just a little tired, nothing village. And Philip said to him, Come and see. Now, this is the great answer. This is the great answer for evangelism. You start telling people that Jesus is the Son of God and that Jesus saves and heals and changes lives today and does miracles today, and people say, really? How do you answer a skeptic? This is how to answer a skeptic. Nathaniel was a skeptic. Come and see. Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Wow. No, here's a man. There's no deceit in this man. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree? Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And yes, Nathanael saw a lot of greater things than those. He said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He said, Nathaniel, you're going to see that Jesus is the ladder. Nothing goes in and out of heaven without passing through Jesus. Jesus is Jacob's ladder. Now, that's a whole nother study for another day. All right. Now, We always close out with a little bit of Proverbs. We have some great wisdom for us today. The righteous one observes the house of the wicked. He throws the wicked down in ruin. Wow. The righteous one knows what is going on in the homes of the wicked. You know, people think, they think home is a secret place. That what is spoken in home and what is said at home, nobody ever knows about. But God observes what goes on in the homes. He throws the wicked down to ruin. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Wow. Now, now brothers and sisters, this, this, is, this is strong, all right? This is strong. When you close your ear to the cry of the poor, you yourself will cry out one day to God and not be answered. Always open your ears to the cry of the poor. Now, I'm not talking about getting taken advantage of by Christian con artists and Christian crooks and people that want to deceive you. But you know, there are people that you genuinely see that are poor and that have nothing. Never close your ear to the cry of the poor. Now, verse 14 is a great secret. 
a gift in secret averts anger, and a concealed bribe strong wrath. Now, you know, I know the Bible teaches us that bribery is wrong, but this is not like a bribery to pervert justice. Have you ever made somebody really mad at you? Done something really bad, you've done something really wrong. A gift in secret. Now, now, brothers and sisters, you know this truth and you've lived this truth all of your life. Husbands, did you did you ever act like a big idiot and your wife got really upset with you? And you go and you bring her a present? <laughs> of course. We understand. Now, you don't make a big show of it in front of all the relatives, but you you take your wife a gift and say, sweetheart, I'm sorry. I, I brought you a gift to say sorry. The same thing is true in friendships. There are some of you that have said some things that have gotten back to people and you've done some things and it's hurt people. And you know what? That anger is pretty fierce against you right now. Don't walk up and make a public show to somebody and you know, in front of a lot of people, bring a gift because you're putting on a show. A gift in secret. Go to the person and say, I just wanted to bring something to say I'm sorry. Now, now this, I call this the path, well, not a, not the, but a path to reconciliation. The path of a gift. The path of a secret gift never public because in public you're just putting more pressure on them but when you do it in private sincerity is shown go to them take a gift just say I just want you to understand I'm sorry I've been really wrong and I'm sorry and bring a nice gift when justice is done it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to the evildoers. <laughs> when you start seeing justice, you're going to find evildoers get scared and mad. It terrorizes them. It's joy to the righteous. The righteous love right. The righteous love. The righteous love justice. Verse sixteen. One who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. New Living Translation, the person who strays from common sense will end up in the company of the dead. Now, you know what? This is another path of good sense. Now, this is one of those lists. What are the different paths in the Bible? There's a path of the righteous. Here's a path of reconciliation. Here's a path of good sense. <laughs> now, you, you depart from good sense, and one day, one day it's going to hurt you. All right. We'll see you tonight. We're back in the book of Romans again. Oh, that book of Romans just doesn't ever seem to end, does it? Can, I don't know. If, if this thing lasts longer, am I going to have to start up the book of Acts? It took us 10 years to get through the book of Acts. How long would it take us every night? Hmm. But we don't want this thing to end that. We don't want this thing to be going that long, Deba. We'll see you tonight for the Book of Romans, 7 o'clock sharp.